Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. I'm Justin Cochiola alongside the Tim Her. Today is Thursday, October 3rd. We are previewing week six in the ACC. Only four games to get to, but there's uh, two pretty uh, pretty big games. One really big game for the Hokies. And, uh, you know, we figured we'd react to the press conference or lack thereof that occurred earlier <laughs> this week. Uh, but first off, Tim, what's going on? Oh, you know, I'm just watching some playoff baseball, getting really excited because the Braves are going to be uh, going at it tomorrow as we record this or today as you're listening. Um, so I'm really excited to see Dallas Keuchel pitch uh, and open up hopefully a game one win against the Cardinals for the Braves. Um, but, you know, right now watching Tampa Bay uh, give it to Oakland in the Coliseum. So if you're an Oakland A's fan, you're probably disappointed. But it seems somewhat cruel that after a, a long you know, 160 plus game season that these wild card teams have to duke it out in a one game winner take all. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Dallas Keuchel as the uh, opening starter for the old Braves, but uh, the Cardinals they uh, they ran through the Cubs uh, to end the regular season, so that was pretty rough. Uh, and as a Orioles and uh, Cubs fan, I am left. You know, with nothing to watch except for just playoff baseball. Nobody to cheer for, which, you know, I'm used to uh, being an Orioles fan growing up. So Yeah, if anything, that made you so prepared for not only how the Hokies are playing right now, but, you know, obviously for uh, a lack of any baseball action in October. But, you know, if you talk about Dallas Keuchel, um, it is kind of weird. He's not necessarily had the best year for the Braves, um, but I think with his experience and everything, he seems like a, a smart choice to get the nod. The other issue for the Braves is, okay, you have to make two more starts. Mike Soroka's had a great year, and uh, Mike Fultanovich has really turned it on uh, towards the end of the year, too. So, you know, I, I spent a long time, you know, I was looking at the stats today. The Braves have a nine-series uh, losing streak right now, which is the longest, um, well, almost the longest, the second longest in baseball history behind the uh, Chicago Cubs um, from 1910 until, you know, fairly recently. Um, where they lost 10 straight playoff series. So hopefully the Braves can turn that around. I would enjoy that. Yeah, it's a big one. Interesting uh, game last night against the Nats and the old Brewers. So uh, the Nats finally got off the schneid there and uh, got the win. So Yeah, but baseball are, are we going to uh, count up. that as a playoff series win for the Nats? I mean, is that going to count? Shouldn't count. Well, it counts when you go home. So mm. I guess it should count if you win. I'm Maybe even salty. more so because you had one game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, true. That's like a game seven, if you want to look at it that way. And the way they won it, too, was very un-Nats-like, um, at least un-Nats playoff-like, considering that, you know, the Brewers had that fairly well in hand. And then uh, Hader, uh, Hader with the big hair, gave up, uh, you know, three runs. And well, I, I don't know who the right fielder was on that play, but, uh, you know, terrible job. He could have held that easily to two runs and at least uh, gone into extras. Yeah, that was a absolutely miserable play. Reminded me of Nelson Cruz in the World Series for the Rangers <laughs> yeah. 2011. Good call. Uh, a little fun baseball trivia. Who was the first team to ever win the wild card playoff game, the play-in? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Um, how about the Baltimore Orioles? Boom. <laughs> That's You're correct. That was the only guess I had, considering you were an Orioles uh, fan. 2012. At, in Texas against the Texas Rangers, I was there, not to brag, but uh, yeah, that was that was a good one. That's when the Orioles were were good for a little period of time. But uh, let's go ahead and jump over to football, Tim. So 
Or maybe Justin, maybe we just keep talking baseball. Maybe we don't yeah. even <laughs> we don't even bridge that today. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm tempted to do so, but uh, you know, there's things we need to react to, and and the first the first thing on the agenda here is the Virginia Tech press conference on Monday, which mm. you know, as we said offline here, Fuente being Fuente, but you know, if you haven't listened to our episode on Monday, I'd go back and uh, and do that. But we talked about some changes that we, you know, wanted to see, expected to see, need to see, but we won't see. And uh, it's just going to be more of the same. You know, Fuente specifically cited that he isn't going to make wholesale changes. He'd rather just, and I'm getting really tired of this word, tweak things. Now, if you're Clemson, if you're Alabama, if you're Ohio State, Oklahoma, you tweak things. <laughs> Virginia Tech's not in that situation right now. No. Virginia Tech's in the situation to where they need to drastically change things. Not tweak. It's not just a few tweaks here and there. It's those wholesale changes that Fuente refuses to make. Right. And we're not going to see it. So I took some time to reflect... And here's kind of where I'm at, Tim, and maybe you're in the same situation. If his seat isn't hot, I don't know what it would take to make it that way. So if you're Justin Fuente, at this point, you don't really care about next season. You need to see your guys win on the field right now. And I think we should expect him to, in turn, handle personnel like he's been handling it. He clearly feels Ryan Willis gives him the best chance to win. Of course. Even though he's a turnover machine. He clearly thinks Deshaun McLeese is the best running back on the team. Because he's got by far the most carries of anybody on the roster. He's clearly unwilling to let Hendon Hooker loose and they're the coaches. They see it in practice. They know what they're dealing with. But for anybody who thinks we're going to see a whole lot of Quincy Patterson, I think you can just go ahead and watch that ship sail away. I don't think it's going to happen. Now, will we see more Quincy in certain packages? Maybe, but we're not going to see Quincy take over, take over the, uh, the starting job anytime soon. Not at least in the next month. I would say for sure. So that means we're in the boat of, we're going to see probably right now a mix of Ryan Willis and Hendon hooker until one kind of overtakes the other. And I'm sure, you know, they're banged up. That happens to players as they go throughout a football season, but that's not the reason they're playing quarterback roulette right now. So there's a couple of things that, you know, I wanted to, to react to is one, you know, the full quote from Fuente here, in regards to to making a lot of coaching changes, you know, he says you can't. I mean, you you can't wholesale. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to continue to improve and work on and focus on technique. Surely <laughs> you can tweak things. Absolutely, but I mean, you can't. It just doesn't work that way. Well, it's not working this way. So if it doesn't work that way and it's not working this way, I guess it's just not going to work. And I'll be the first one to eat my words 
if we see it improve. Guys like Damon Hazleton came out and said, you know, I think we're a lot closer than people think. Oh, yeah? Are we? Are, yeah, I'm not seeing I it. I mean, because they're, they're, I don't even think we're in the realm of close. No. Virginia Tech. So Norm Wood wrote a really good uh, story in the Daily Press. I wanted to kind of uh, recap because that's what we're in the business of doing. If somebody writes a good story, we're going to give them credit for it. We're not going to steal other people's words. Okay, Tim? I'm cool with that. Early drive efficiency plays Hokies offense. So I'll tweet the story out. So a couple of things he pointed out here. I'm just going to say based on that title, I'm going to go ahead and give him a standing ovation. (laughs) So Virginia Tech has scored four touchdowns in their last 27 possessions. Mm. They average... On first down plays, they've only had four passes over 15-plus yards. (laughs) There's only six other teams in college football that have less than three run the triple option. Goo. They're averaging under 10 yards per catch on first down. Just one of 13 FBS schools. On rushing plays on first down, 3.77 yards per rush. That's good for 105th in the FBS. On second down, they're even worse, 3.41 yards per rush. That doesn't sound like an offense that it just needs to clean a little, a few things up or just needs to tweak a few things. It's that darn technique, Justin. I've been it's, saying it since the beginning of the technique. season. It's the damn so, technique. Fuente's not making changes in the play calling, at least that's what he said. Well, hold on. Let, um, let's stop right there really quick. Do you think if if he had to that Justin Fuente is even capable of calling the plays, or do you think that is his way of protecting his friend uh, Cornelson in this case? You know, so I had this thought too, and he's very protective of Brad. He is, and he always likes to reference Memphis. And Brad was the guy calling the plays when they were going through the rebuild. Well, guess what? We're doing a reverse build here because. <laughs> You didn't come into a Memphis situation. So I don't I don't want to hear Memphis cited again because the situation you came into when you were head coach of Man, Virginia it was, Tech it was, was not a Memphis situation. No. Okay? You had talent here. I mean, the amount of NFL talent on that 2016 team, I mean, just the Redskins have like five of the players. Go back and look team. at the roster. I did that. Just out of sheer curiosity, that was a talented, talented team. Talented and I mean, team. And he won 10 games. Right. He well, won nine games the next year. Right. But then he went six, and now we're in year four, and, and it the doesn't talent, look like we're going to get to that six. The talent? I don't know. It, it doesn't seem to be here anymore. Well, there is talent on this roster. I agree. I agree. Just when, when you look talent. When you look at the talent on the defensive side of the ball— four years ago versus where it is now, especially on that defensive line is shocking. Um, I think that that's where the biggest missteps are. It's a problem. It's a problem. And in the offense, the talent that we do have, it's not able to shine right now. um, We are just in a terrible, terrible situation uh, that, that clearly there are some, if not wholesale close to it, changes that are needed to be made. And when you see a coach, who clearly doesn't have the answers based on a season and a half, two seasons and a half of middling to poor results. You have to question whether or not he's got the answers. And to see Justin Fuente in the press conference act like these these play calling issues or, or what we see as play calling issues, no, 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 
they're not the answer. He's inside the program, and he has the answers. What are the answers then, Justin? Let's make some changes. We haven't made a change to our offense since he's been here. So how much How much more do we I'm, need to see? Here's what I'm struggling with because going back to everybody loves to bring up Memphis, we're going in the opposite direction. Fuente is going to leave Virginia Tech like the situation he came into in Memphis if this keeps up. Right. And Cornelson is the one calling the place. So we're going in the reverse order of the direction we want to go in. If we continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result, I believe it was Albert Einstein who said that is the definition of insanity. Right. And that's what it's like to watch this. It makes you insane because you're seeing the same thing every single week. And it seems like they're expecting a different result. But we're not getting it. And if you look at these offensive numbers that Norm lays out here, it's pretty clear it's not working. So I guess what that means is let's go ahead and jump into the Miami-Virginia Tech preview, which I'm really excited to do. Oh, I can't wait. You know, the Hokies, they opened as an 8.5-point favorite. Or underdog, excuse me. Not a favorite. And it pretty much jumped to about two touchdowns. The second it opened. Yeah. So some people got some lucky money there. Because I don't I don't know what Vegas was thinking from the initial sticker shock. But at the end of the day, this isn't a great Miami team. At least we haven't seen that yet. You know, they've they've got a very good defense. You know, it ranks in the top fifteen nationally, I believe. They're only allowing fifty nine yards on the ground. That bodes well, Justin. But They have one of the worst offensive lines, actually the worst offensive line against the rush in the ACC. David Hale had this interesting tweet, and it was really about the rate of pressures allowed versus FBS schools um, for ACC offensive lines. And they're all pretty bad. So UNC, Wake, Syracuse, Louisville, Pitt, FSU, UVA, Miami, in that order from not good to worst, Miami's last. So every time there's a drop pack pass, the quarterback's getting pressured 41.7% of the time. Mm. Now, that seems like a great area to kind of take control of the game. But Virginia Tech can't get to the passer. Not at least with their defensive line. So we'll see what Bud Foster can, can work up there. You know, maybe he can get creative with some blitzes. You know, Shamari Connor, he was a little bit absent in the last game, but he had a nice game against Furman. Maybe we can see him resurface. Alan Tisdale has one of the highest grades in college football by pro football focus at linebacker. And he jumps and off the starting. tape. He jumps off the tape at linebacker. And he's linebacker. not even starting. I know. I know. And so my, one of my issues with Bud, and I hope hope we're looking at it at least, um, I don't think that Rayshard and Dax make a good pairing at linebacker. And Tisdell gives uh, Ashby exactly what he needs as a compliment. So I hope we get to see more of Tisdale Ashby on the field, less of Dax and Ashby. Because I see Dax as a middle linebacker. I see Ashby as a middle linebacker. So I really think we need to look at mixing in Tisdale to get some more athleticism on that field. Yeah, and we definitely want to see Dax on the field. Because he's 
the leader, the catalyst of that defensive group. He's a uh, tackling machine. He's all over the place. But, yeah, something's got to change on both sides of the ball. So He is, but he's also, you know, and, and this is not a knock on Dax. Lord, Lord knows I love him. Um, he's pretty slow. He's had a hard time fighting through blocks. And I think that Tisdale, especially when he went in, um, looked really good and gives you something that I don't think Dax can, uh, which he's a bit more rangy at linebacker. And I think that's important um, for a defense that by and large has looked very slow. And this Miami offense, so granted it's got some issues on the offensive line, but you know, Jaron Williams has looked pretty good at quarterback. Um, obviously they're not coming off a very impressive game against Central Michigan, uh, but they had a bye week to kind of figure things out a little bit. That being said, they've already had a bye week this year after uh, week one against Florida. If you remember, they played a week before everybody else, and then they came out and lost to North Carolina following that. So it's not a lock that they're going to be, you know, primed and ready to go. But, you know, this is a rivalry game. It doesn't feel that way this time. But no, it certainly feels like this is probably the most important game Virginia Tech has had against Miami. And I guess we could say 2017 was a big game because both teams were ranked fairly high at that point. But from a program standpoint, this game feels really, really important for Virginia Tech because they're not getting any respect nationally. ESPN had them as the fifth worst team in the FBS. Okay, They're ranked 13th out of 14 in the ACC power rankings. 100th nationally in offense. If I told you they were going to be ranked 51st in total defense in October, I think we would have taken that preseason. Yeah, given what we thought we had on that offensive side of the ball, we sure would have. But the offense hasn't lived up to the expectation. Hasn't even come close. No. So if we look at the Virginia Tech-Miami series over the last five years, Virginia Tech's 1-4. Fuente is only 1-2 against them. And coming off of a 38-14 loss last year, 28-10 loss two years ago, you know, unfortunately, it's not like it's going to be a hostile environment. You know, we're going to see maybe about as many fans as we're seeing show up to a Miami Dolphins game right now. (laughs) I think the defense might come out and play better than they did last week. I want to see some pressure on the quarterback. I want to see them contain Jaron Williams. I think they have a shot to contain DJ Dallas. I'm not that worried about the defense if the offense can help them out. Because I think what happened last week was we saw the defense play pretty well for 15 minutes. And the offense was doing absolutely nothing. And so the defense was getting great field position. They were back on the field in like three plays. Great field position, back on the field in three plays. The offense has to figure out how to sustain more than one drive per half. And they're just not doing it right now. And I don't think they're going to do it this week. The Miami defense is too good. And I think this game might be close in the beginning. I think it's going to be a pretty ugly game overall. But I think there's a chance that Miami blows the doors off of this game starting midway through the second quarter. Because the offense has shown absolutely no ability to put points on anybody in bunches. And I don't even think that many points need to be scored in this game. I think you could probably score 20 points in this game and win for each team. Right. 
I just don't think Virginia Tech has a shot at getting there. No. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think so either. Depends on what kind of quote-unquote tweaks that Fuente was talking about. One of the tweaks that we need to look at making is being far more aggressive than we've been. And this is not a far more aggressive than we've been this year. This is a far more aggressive than we've been in offense for the past two years. There's not a lot of verticality to our passing game. And it seems when we try to go vertical, we tend to have some success doing so. Uh, most recent is, is uh, the Hazleton grab uh, last game where he took it, you know, I don't know, 72 yards uh, maybe on that pass to a t- for a touchdown. We're going to have to learn how to stretch teams vertically. Um, you know, whether or not that's in, you know, Cornell's game pl- or Cornelson's game plan or not, whether he's comfortable with that or not, it's going to it's something that's going to have to happen. If we go and try to play that conservative offensive game plan that we play um, two yard drag routes on third and six, uh, six yard outs on third and eight, uh, if we try to to dink and dunk our way on that Miami defense, it's just not going to work. There's playmakers, uh, specifically playmakers at linebacker. Uh, that are going to make our lives very, very difficult, not only in the run, but also in the pass in those intermediate areas. Um, they're going to be able to play very aggressive against us. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have to attack them deep. The only issue is I don't think that we are going to attack them deep because we don't tend to attack any teams deep. We tend to go at teams in the same manner every game, no matter who they are. Um, that's one of our biggest issues from an offensive scheming standpoint. So I'm with you. I don't see any way... This offense that struggled with Duke is going to fare any better against Miami. Um, you know, I, I think Miami's got a more talented defense than Duke, although I think defense, defensively speaking, Duke is fairly solid and maybe deserves more credit than they get. Um, we're running up into just a buzzsaw when it comes to Miami's defense in our stagnant, boring, predictable offense. And I don't see it getting any better. Now, devil's advocate, maybe Fuente was playing things closer to the vest you would hope that he's feeling the heat. Lord knows it's gotten negative with the Hokies, and I guarantee you there's pressure coming from above to get some kind of result out of this game. I just don't see it happening, and I hope that I'm wrong. I'm not what scared. Do you mean, m- uh, what do you mean playing things closer to the vest? Well, maybe he's not tipping all of his hand. You know, maybe if you are going to make some large changes in offense, maybe you don't go out there and announce it to the world in a press conference the week before. Um, maybe you want to act like you're going to go maintain the course just to try and catch the opponent off guard. I'm just hoping because to me, it sounds like Fuente is pretty much being spot on honest when he's talking about that. Fuente doesn't change. So no, no, that, he doesn't. That, that's all we've seen so far. However, I, that's why I said, let's play devil's advocate. Let's pretend uh, that there's that possibility because I'm, we're not afraid of Miami on offense. They've got playmakers. They just can't seem to put it together. I like Jaron Williams. Obviously, I love DJ Dallas, um, and I like Daninos. So put that together, they should be great. But that offensive line holds them back. I'm not worried about that right now. If we so can put here's... if we can put points on the board, we can win this game. I just have no faith in our ability to do so. There's really one only one thing that's going to turn this around, and let's say the play calling stays exactly the same. Sure. It's better quarterback play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I don't care what plays are being called right now, not to play into Fuente's execution, uh, you know, lingo, but the quarterback play has been abysmal this entire season. Mm -hmm. 
the number of turnovers from that position, the inconsistent passing down the field, the inability to hit open receivers. We start playing better at that position, we're going to see the offense open up because right now there's no reason to respect the pass. No. Which means it's going to be tougher to run the football. And a couple of things I want to see in this game as improvements. One, I want to see the Virginia Tech defensive line win the battle up front. And to throw out that cliche that we all love to hear, win the battle in the trenches. Second thing I want to see, I don't want to see that turnover chain come out. I don't want to see a single Hokies turnover. I don't care who does it, who doesn't do it. I don't want to see one. That would be a quantum leap forward. Mm -hmm. Maybe they could win the turnover margin battle in a game. And the other thing I want to see is I want to see Kashawn King be the feature back. Because he's clearly the most talented guy that they have back there. I don't know if we're going to see that or not, but that's what I want to see in the backfield. If we see all three of those things happen, I think Virginia Tech's got a shot. Um, But still, at the end of the day, we've got to get more consistent play out of that quarterback position. It starts with protecting the football. So that's one. But you also got to go out there and make some plays and maybe get some yards on first and second down so you're not having to go for it on third and six and third and ten. You don't want to go. You don't want to be in a third down situation ever. And the third down situations the Hokies are facing, they're typically five yards or longer. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough matchup against Miami. It's a top fifteen defense. The Duke defense isn't. You know, it's it's a good defense. It's not terrible. It's not bad. It's also not Miami. It's not great. And the Miami defense has elite talent on that side of the ball. So Virginia Tech's dug them this 0-2 hole in the conference. They're going to have to figure a way to dig it out. The only way you're going to start digging it out is if you're going to start playing consistent football. That could start in Miami this week. So, again, I'm not going to pick Virginia Tech to win. Uh, I'm picking them to lose. I think around 31-10 to 10 is kind of what I'm feeling right now. Um, and, again, I'm just same rhetoric as last, last week. I need to see it first. And I'm going to need to see it for a few games. And I want to see a blowout against Rhode Island the week after. Um, And until that starts happening, I'm not going to feel good about where this offense stands. And there's really no reason to as a fan of the program right now. So, you know, maybe Fuente and uh, like Damon Hazelton has said, maybe they're closer than than we know. uh, But it sure doesn't look like they're very close right now. No, it doesn't. I'm with you. That scoreline sounds about right. I don't know if uh, Miami gets that much on us just because they have their own offensive struggles. Um, you know, they so, get that much if there's turnovers. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. So you know, I'm thinking maybe 24-10, 24-17, something along those lines. You know, it's not hopeful for our offense. But I will say, Jaden Cunningham has been an absolutely amazing surprise at tackle on the defensive side of the ball. And, and it's going to be big for him to show up as well as that entire defensive line because, you know, there's not a, there's not a, a wealth of talent there. Um, you know, but the effort's going to have to be there and they're going to have to play a big game just to limit Miami. Um, because let's face it, we're going to have to keep that score down if we want a chance to win any ball game that we play moving forward. If we are at that level of lack of faith in the offense. What I hope I see is more Hendon Hooker, more uh, run Packages, different run looks, 
uh, lean on the read option in the way that we leaned on the read option with Gerard Evans um, because Hendon can run. And if we can tweak the scheme just a little bit to take advantage of that, that'll give our, our offense an element that it hasn't had in quite some time. Um, I hate to, to bail on Ryan Willis right now, but I'm done with the Ryan Willis experiment. Um, it just hasn't turned out well. So hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully we see the Hokies put up a good fight and, and take a, a much-needed W to Blacksburg here. But, um, yeah, it, 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 there are going to be changes that need to be made in order for us to see that. So, um, yeah, I, I look forward to the review portion of, of next week's show, especially where this game is considered, just to uh, see where we ended up. And the, the other thing, too, is, you know, not for us as fans, because it doesn't matter what we think at the end of the day. Um, what matters is what what's already happened, that's done. Okay? The team, I can assure you, isn't focusing on what happened in September. Now, they might be focusing on addressing those things in practice, but if they win this weekend... The lift that will give this team and this program and the fan base will be, I I can't really put it into words. Because one, nobody's expecting you to win this game. Two, you play Rhode Island the week after. <laughs> so boom, you've got four wins. Sure. And then you've got North Carolina at home. And who knows what North Carolina team is going to show up. So all you got to do is win a ball game. Go 1-0. Focus on the week at hand. Miami is not a difficult place to play. It will be a difficult matchup. But I I think with Bud Foster and that type of personality in the locker room, like they're not going to be worried about what's already happened in September. No. We just want to see a better product on the field. And if they lose and if they play a good game, you know, I'm not going to be ecstatic about it, but I will be happy. You know, if they come out and they, they run the ball with some success, they don't turn it over, you know, the offense is moving the ball a little bit better and they just somehow end up losing the game. Okay. Well, you can at least build off of that. And that's kind of where we're to, to the point we're at right now with Virginia Tech <laughs> I was going to say, man, the bar has lowered. Man, but, the, but you're right. That's, you're that's right. where we're at after September. We'll take solace in anything at this point. Um, but I mean, that, if that's not the biggest statement on what where Frente Fuente has taken our program to, uh, you know, finding small things to be happy about in losses is not anywhere I ever thought I would be as a Virginia Tech Hokies fan. So, yeah. Um, but if I if I put on my Captain Obvious pants, it looks like it's going to be a blowout. Sure. Based off of the last calendar year of sure. Virginia Tech football. Agreed. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Pitt at Duke. This is another big ACC Coastal matchup. Blue Devils are a four-point favorite. This game's going to be 8 o'clock ACC Network. And, uh, yeah, this game is big for a couple of reasons. One, you know, Duke went from a 9% favorite to win the Coastal last week before playing Virginia Tech up to a 30% favorite. They knock off Pitt. That pretty much gets Pitt out of the way because that'll give them their second loss. So, in the conference. So that'll be a, uh, it's a big game for Pitt. It's a big game for Duke. Um, but I really, I really like what I'm seeing out of Duke right now, especially Quentin Harris, who has been really good the last few weeks. 
He's completing 73% of his passes, has 10 touchdowns, only two picks. He's also leading the team in rushing. They have a very balanced offensive attack. You know, they run a spread-style offense. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of outs, a lot of crossing patterns, a lot of dump-offs to the running backs. It's hard to sack the quarterback when you're playing Duke, uh, especially when he's the kind of guy that can, that can take off and have success as a runner. So uh, he can also keep you honest with that deep ball, as we saw with, uh, well, we'll throw out Virginia Tech, but... We've seen what he can do when throwing the ball deep and down down the field. It is going to be an interesting uh, challenge for the Pitt defense that, you know, is, is has had a strong start to the season. And, you know, I'd imagine that they go back and look at the Alabama tape to see, you know, what Alabama did to slow down this defense because they're not going to really have much to work off of any other game that they watched this week other than maybe the first quarter of the Virginia Tech game. Um, but if you're wondering, you know, like, what happened at Pitt last week against Delaware. As we mentioned on Monday, they sat seven starters in that game. They right. sat Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett, you know, for all the flack that we gave him in the uh, in the offseason, he's been pretty solid he's for, uh, good. for old Pitt. So, uh, you know, this is a top 50 defensive uh, matchup. Pitt ranks 27th, Duke ranks 42. You know, Pitt's only allowing 92 yards on the ground. That could make Duke a little bit one-dimensional. You know, none of their backs have been super stellar this season. Uh, same for Pitt, really. You know, they're not a super great rushing team. A.J. Davis is the team's leading rusher, didn't play last week. Todd Sibley had a nice game over 100 yards rushing, which I think was the first time they had a 100-yard rusher uh, since last season. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm going to be forced to pick a team, I'm going to go with Duke right now. I just really like how they're playing. Uh, I think they're a better coach team. I think they're executing at a very high level offensively. And uh, I think they're going to squeak by Pitt in what should be a pretty pretty solid game, I can imagine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this game. Um, you know, th- there's a lot on the line for it being an early season game. And these two teams both look like solid, solid coastal competitors, um, as solid as you're going to find on that side of the conference. So, you know, when you're watching this game, obviously all eyes are going to be on Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, he, he's been so good for Pitt this year and really has been part of the reason they've had such a surprising start to the season. Um, you know, and what you're going to get out of the backfield right now, the depth chart shows four starting running backs for Pitt. So they all have an or next to their name. So AJ Davis, Todd Sibley, Vincent Davis, and Philippe Carter all are listed as or on the depth chart. So either that's going to be a running back by committee approach or uh, Narduzzi doesn't want to tip his hand and who he's favoring in that backfield. So, Duke may be a little mystery as far as who they're going to get from a personnel standpoint, especially as you mentioned, uh, since they did sit so many people against the Blue Hens of Delaware. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing Duke, and, and this defense is going to be tested a little more in this game than they have been to the start of the season. So, everybody besides Alabama, they've held to 14 points or less so far. Granted, that was Middle Tennessee State, North Carolina AT, and uh, Virginia Tech, as you remember last week. So, we'll see. We're going to find out a lot about Duke in this game. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about games where we're not going to find out about much, you know, about the opponents, but this is, this is different. We're going to find out a lot about Duke. We're going to find out a lot about Pitt. We're going to find out about how serious these two are about competing with one another and competing for the coastal crown. Um, you know, I like what Duke gives a little more on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defensive side is a push, um, you know, with Harris looking as good as he did, um, you know, that, that makes me, anytime you have a dual threat, I kind of want to lean towards that side, um, 
But the Blue Devils' offense, they've really spread the ball around to a lot of different skill players. Um, so, you know, if you consider the receivers, six of them have caught more than seven passes. Um, I like that. I like the way the offense is looking. I like Cut more than I like Narduzzi. I'm going to go with the Blue Devils in a tight one, something along the lines of, you know, 35-31. Um, but this is going to be a good game. I recommend if you aren't going to be doing anything, you aren't going to be out partying, uh, you know, maybe crack a white claw and turn on the ACC network at eight o'clock. <laughs> oh man, you and you and that white claw. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure this game will get that high as far as the score. Um, I'd kind of expect it to be 24-21 range, just because I think both of these defenses um, are pretty solid. So. You know, we'll see. You never know. You never know what can happen. Uh, another game, Tim, that will be pretty interesting is Boston College at Louisville. And if I had told you Boston College would go on the road to Louisville and be a road underdog of nearly a touchdown in the preseason, you would have thought I was crazy. Definitely. But that's the case. So the Cardinals are getting six and a half points this game at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on a uh, regional ACC network coverage. So, you know, BC comes in. They seem to have found the run game the last few weeks. A.J. Dillon has three straight games over 150. David Bailey has done a nice uh, job spelling him as well. Adds a little bit more through uh, the passing game. Also threw a touchdown last week. Um, And Anthony Brown, you know. He's kind of the guy who is going to take this offense over the top, uh, but he needs to play a little bit more consistent. He didn't have a terrible game last week, but he did have two turnovers. Um, so, you know, I think Brown is really the X factor for Boston College in this one. The defense has been playing better since the Kansas game. You know, granted, you know, they played Rutgers one of those games, but they also played Wake Forest, which Wake Forest now in the top 25. Um, but you know, will they be able to stop the run against Louisville? So both of these teams run the ball really well. Louisville is averaging 225 on the ground. BC's giving up 183. So, you know, it's going to be who can stop the run the most. This should be a pretty quick game, I'd imagine, because I expect both teams to run the ball a lot. But Louisville's coming off a game against uh, Florida State to where they held Cam Akers relatively in check. Only 29 carries for 112. So that, to me, you know, is is enticing to go with Louisville here. I'm still not sure if they'll be able to do enough offensively if they struggle to run the ball in this one. So it sounds like Malik Cunningham's going to be the starting quarterback. Uh, Puma Pass is uh, still battling an injury. Uh, wasn't a full go in practice or hasn't been a full go in practice yet this week. Um, but I think actually Cunningham might give them a little bit more offensively than than Pass has. Um, and I tend to lean more towards the better coach when it's a toss-up like this, Tim. And I would definitely say Satterfield is the, is the better coach. But I feel like if the Boston College defense shows up and they're able to get pressure on the quarterback, contain that run game, they should be able to do enough to squeak by this one at least if i'm gonna put money on it i'd put money on them to cover but i do think they went out right as well yeah i mean i think so too um when you're talking about bc the secondary has just been terrible so you know rutgers was passing up and down the field against them they're going into and against a louisville team that's a threat passing and running um you know and, and the passing itself has been pretty good um 
you know, they're averaging over 10 yards a pop, and, and they have nine touchdowns, one pick in three games. Malik Cunningham, I think, obviously adds to that. I think he's a much better passer than Puma is. So having Malik back, even with the ankle, is going to be a huge thing for them. Um, and I'm with you. you. You can look so much into those coaches, and I think Satterfield's, you know, got the edge when it comes to uh, the coach battle there. You know, what Boston College is going to have to do is just get some turnovers, uh, stop Louisville, which right now I think has a much better offensive scheme, obviously, than BC, and, and that's not saying a whole lot given what we know about BC and, and BC's history. So I expect us to see Louisville winning this one. Um, and BC, you know, coming off of what we thought was such a good win, and maybe in hindsight it wasn't such a good win against Virginia Tech to start the season, um, they continue to backslide, and I think they'll keep backsliding in this game. I think Louisville's going to win this one fairly comfortably, um, maybe by 10 or 14 points. Last game of the week, North Carolina at Georgia Tech, 4 p.m. Eastern ACC Network. So another game with Georgia Tech where the point spread really kind of just there should be a question mark next to it. Only uh, only a 10-point underdog here. little surprised by that one. I don't know if we're thinking UNC's off an emotional game and, you know, it's going to come out a little bit flat. And, you know, they certainly haven't had a perfect season. Uh, you know, took Clemson to the brink. Uh, they've beaten Miami. Um, but they've struggled to play consistently through all four quarters. But... You know, this is a team that's averaging almost 100 more yards per game than Georgia Tech on offense. The Yellow Jackets, they just can't run the football. And they really struggle to stop the run. So I'd look for a heavy dosage of Michael Carter and Javante Williams in this one. I think Sam Howell plays well. I just I feel like UNC wins this game by much more than ten points. I don't know if it's going to be just like a insane blowout, uh, but you know a thirty-five to ten I could see happening very easily. Also, a couple things to note: Georgia Tech they've lost leading receiver Jalen Camp and their starting center Kenny Cooper to season-ending injuries. So that just kind of adds more uh, more bad news for the old Yellow Jackets. Yeah, and, and this is still the same Georgia Tech team that struggled and lost to the Citadel. Um, so really, you can't put, put too much stock into what Georgia Tech's going to do in this game. And like you, I think the line is, is definitely underselling this one. Um, you know, I expect UNC to have no problems hanging more than 10 or 11 points on Georgia Tech here. Uh, you know, given what they've gotten uh, out of the offense this year, uh, the playmakers that they have on the edge, Daz Newsom. The running backs that they've gotten production out of this year, and obviously quarterback play has been somewhat positive for them, um, albeit a little streaky at times. I think UNC has no problem here with Georgia Tech, and, and they end up winning by at least 20 points. Um, so for me, you're looking at a 31-10, something like that, because I think you know, offensively the, the Jackets are just really struggling, and, and I don't think we're going to see anything different from them here. Um, but hey, Vegas typically knows more than, than we do in a lot of cases, and they're standing firm at that 10.5 line, so um, we'll see how it ends up working out. But I expect the uh, Tar Heels to have no problem in this. Yeah, so that that's our show. And, uh, you know, for you Hokie fans, you know, keep your head up. Watch the game. Hopefully we'll see an improved product on the field. Uh, if not, you know, if you're on watching it on TV, you've always got their remote. You can flip over to something else, come back, check on it. But... You know, Tim, I don't know if you have any final thoughts, but, uh, 
you know, here's hoping to a nice, uh, nice improved Virginia Tech football team this week against Miami. Yeah, um, you know, no, no real big final thoughts, anything like that. Um, you know, I, I think it's just important that obviously as we head towards what could be another potentially uh, humbling game uh, for Virginia Tech that uh, everybody takes it easy on social media, don't attack the players. Um, you know, I'd like to think our fan base is better than that, but there's crazy people in every bunch. But, um, you know, let, let's stay off the Twitter and, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get something good at the back end here with, with maybe a win against Miami. I know a win over a rival would do a lot to make me feel a little better, especially considering the uh, lack of success that we've had against the Hurricanes. So, um, and also, let's let's not worry so much about what AD is flying in and out of Blacksburg or Roanoke <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's Hey, Justin, do you hear Clemson's AD was flying into Blacksburg? And that clearly means Brent Venables is going to be our new head coach. Yeah, yeah, they were coming to negotiate that. Actually, my the best thing I heard about that was Brent Venables was going to come and be the head coach and waiting to Justin Fuente. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Who yeah. came up with that fascinating idea? Well, I tell you, this is what happens when you're stretched over a barrel like we are. You know, you're just you're just grasping for any straw that'll give you a modicum of hope at this point. Um, I mean, realistically. That that was that was an admin meeting where I guarantee you it had something to do with fundraising because as you know Clemson just continues to kill the fundraising game uh, with their IPTE program and um, I imagine that's what the conversation revolved around but still really funny to consider that some people might have said that without an ounce of sarcasm in their voice. <laughs> yeah, so that is our show. We're Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. Five stars is preferred, obviously, but, you know, four is, uh, you know, acceptable, but maybe, you know, consult with us before doing so. <laughs> you can listen to us in a variety of ways. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, ChowderAndGrits.com, and, of course, follow us on Twitter. Tim, anything else you want to add there? Um... Sure. Don't tweet at uh, high school football recruits on Twitter. Don't blame the players. Um, but also share all of our posts and anything that we share on Twitter or Facebook. Let your friends know about us. Uh, make sure you search uh, their podcast app and subscribe to our show for them. Do everything you can to get our name out there. We really appreciate all the help that you guys give us. Um, and since it is Rivalry Hate Week, I'm going to give it uh, a go ACC, a go Hokies, and down with the Hurricanes. See you guys later.